to another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, the site manager here at Second City Hockey. You can find me on Twitter at dmelt57. I've got all my line mates with me this evening as we continue our recap of the Blackhawks 2021 to 2022 season that was. So let's bring them all in without any further ado. Up first, the analytics darling of Second City Hockey. You can find on Twitter at Shepherd Price. It's Shepherd Price. Yo, what's up? Uh, Pete DeBoer's gone, so thank God for that. And also, I wrote the, the most freezing cold take I'll ever have, which is that Alex Zabrinkat is very, very good at hockey. Yeah, I mean, uh, any uh, anything else you would elaborate on that with uh, Alex Zabrinkat being good at hockey? Like, he, he scores a lot of goals. Uh, I think the most surprising thing when from reading through all that is it seems like the defensive side of things have gotten so much better that make him like he's so much more of an all around player than he was when he first started. Yeah. He's very decent in his own end. And that's a very good improvement. <laughs> Did you say very uh, decent? Is that what you... very decent? Yes. Very I mean, decent. he's like, is he like, he's a good penalty killer, but is he somebody you want to put in on the ice with an, in an empty net situation? Who knows? Uh, by the way, have you, uh, have you updated your resume and sent it to Vegas to be their coach so you can get fired in a year and get a lot of severance? No, unfortunately. <laughs> Well, I'd I mean, rather be the front office anyway. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, it, it, I just, I heard there's an opening. It seemed like it might be something you were interested in. I, I didn't know. I uh, I have ideas for who should be the Vegas coaches. None of them are me. Uh, the good news is we're going to shift to someone else so we don't talk about Vegas anymore. <laughs> <laughs> or the Bucks, Or the Bucks who lost. Oh, yeah. 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 We're real sad for you. Uh, also with us this evening, and he is the second city hockey, what Andrew McMahon is to something corporate. You can find him on Twitter at mill 182. It's mill Savage. I, I, uh, that's a good one. I did not wake up in a car today, but, uh, you know what? Today's a great day. I found the LeBron chips. Finally. Uh, I've been looking for them for a while. The flaming hot cheddar and sour cream ruffles. So I'm very excited to eat those later. Wait, wait, flaming hot cheddar and sour cream. That, yeah, so he, he combined the two different ones into one chip. Um, so they have, like, the NBA guys on all the different, like, Wild Ruffles flavors. Okay. And uh, the LeBron ones have been advertised, and they're the only ones I could never find. And I finally found them today. So, And uh, also, NHL is free on Game Pass, finally, by the second round of the playoffs. So I didn't pay 70 bucks for that. So I'm going to be eating oh, those go. and have some hockey uh, to play where, in that reality, I'm in the NHL. So... <laughs> Uh, just there was there were so many words at the start of those chips, the flaming hot cheddar and sour cream. Like none of those words are bad. They're all good things. But I just was like I had to like check off the list as we we're working our way through it. Yeah, it's a very busy title. Um, but like it's basically I don't know if you guys have had the regular ruffles that are just flaming hot. They're kind of hard to find themselves, but they're really good. And they just like slap those bad boys together with the cheddar and sour cream and. Hey, no playoffs for LeBron, but he makes a fine snack. If you want a bright side of St. Louis, those ruffles, uh, flaming hot, are not hard to find here. 
yeah, they're everywhere. hard to find. They're they're hard to find out here. Like uh, the grocery stores don't have them. You have to go to like a gas station and get like a small bag, which is what I had to do with the LeBron ones. But that's okay. I don't need a big bag. <laughs> I might I might make a Costco run later, Mill. I'll, I'll let you know if they got them there. If you need uh, a roughly a parachute sized bag full of those chips. No, if you go to Costco, you got to get the like ginormous bag of pita chips and the three flavor hummus bucket. <laughs> that that'll that'll go in the cart as well. <laughs> Also with us this evening, she's not on Twitter, but you can find her at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR and is the Second City Hockey Bull and Wall of Text. It's Betsy. I was trying to think of the last time I ate chips, like that wasn't like came with a meal for a sandwich or something, you know, like just went and bought a bag of chips at the store for a flavor. Usually well, I only I only want my chips to like bring me guac. Like I just need it for cheese and guac. They're just a vessel of the condiments to you. That yes. that's all they are for. Okay, we <laughs> we got to the food take very early this week. <laughs> Chips are merely a vessel for. I don't know. I had. Uh, I was trying to. Yeah, I'm not. I have. I've been less of a chip guy. I used to be a big chip guy just because I feel like that was the staple of every childhood lunch. You get a sandwich, you get chips, and then you get like a cookie. Like that. That's your lunch for like K through eighth grade. So. Yep. I was just, I was, when Mill was going through flavor, like talking about flavors, I was like, what is the last, like the French onion chips, maybe was the last time. And that was, had it been a while ago. Well, that's the French onion dip is what you dip them in. No, no. The the French one, on- what, what's the one with the little specks in that? The sour onion? cream and onion? Maybe sour cream and onion. I don't know. <laughs> Here you go. You all, everybody can now know. I don't do they, know. Do they not have chips in the South? Like what's going on they do. here? I mean, they do. My nephew gets those little uh, hot twisty things. What are they? Oh my God. Uh, the taki, Takis. Takis. Yeah. He gets those. Um, I've never had one though. But other than that, no, I don't. If I, And scoops, tortilla scoops. So you can scoop more. Quack. Oh yeah, <laughs> but that's pretty much it. Okay, okay. I mean, like, I'm not a chip connoisseur. I just think in the the year of 2022, with the flavors of chips and cereal and all that bizarre shit, I like to try the weird stuff. You know, I love to try cereal. Um, I love cereal. I can eat cereal. There's like there's time. a churro cereal. Ooh. Spoiler, we could talk we'll about get to that later. Say no more, yeah. <laughs> yeah, those two of my favorite things in one. Um, so, hey, uh, we're, we're as we're discussing this evening, before we dive into uh, the Blackhawks season recap, uh, pretty uh, insane opening round of the Stanley Cup playoffs just ended. And uh, I think this past weekend, with the combination of the NBA and the NHL Game 7s, and at least in the Chicagoland area, the weather was kind of perfect. I sat outside and for at least like 10 hours combined those two days watching game sevens. And it was, gotta tell you, it was pretty lovely. Uh, kind of bummed me out. It just was another reminder that man, I remember when the Blackhawks used to be in things like this and that was cool. Uh, but other than that, just a lot of fun watching the Stanley cup playoffs and some of the NBA stuff as well. And just real quick, swinging around to the group, uh, starting with Shay, uh, any, any closing thoughts on the first round from the Stanley cup playoffs? God, what does Toronto have to do to win a fucking series? Right? Not they, bad. <laughs> two, two, two games they could have they could have clinched against the two time defending Stanley Cup champions. They couldn't do it either time. Well, the, um, the hardest, the hardest, the hardest victory in any series is the fourth one, and against a team like Tampa, it's uh, that that is a tall mountain for anyone to climb. Like I don't even think the Leafs were all that bad. No, 
Neither do I. They just need to score more. Need to score more than one goal in the in the seventh game of a series. Yeah. I, um, I, go besides ahead. that, like the Colorado Avalanche are just a team to be fucking trifled with. Yeah, Kale uh, uh, McCarr is going to be a problem, like <laughs> for for a long time. For a long time, like. Uh, I think we talked about this last week. I made the joke about maybe the Hawks just need to convince him to retire. But uh, outside of that, like it's, it's kind of terrifying to, to watch him knowing he's going to be in the division for the next decade or whatever. Uh, Mill, I think what there's, a, go ahead. I think there's an argument. I think there's an argument. He might be the best player in hockey. Well, yeah, the way he played in the, those four games, he looked like the best hockey player on the planet. Connor McDavid did have his moments for sure. Uh, in that uh, LA King series, we'll see what happens to the next round for each of those teams as the uh, quality of opponent ramps up a little bit. But uh, yeah, that the uh, Kale McCarr show was, was live in, in living color in Nashville last week. Uh, Mill, what about you? Any playoff thoughts? Yeah. I, uh, it was like you said, it was beautiful outside. It was like self-titled Cheryl Crow weather with tequila. Um, <laughs> that's how I describe it. Uh, but uh, you know, the, the thing that I am pissed off about is Jacob Truba being a fucking asshole and getting no discipline. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'm not saying that cause I'm partial to the city of Pittsburgh. Like he was just out there like injuring guys and that's not cool. Well, he was doing that in the regular season too. Did, was he the one that knocked out Connor Murphy or someone else? Uh, I thought or he Kara. had Kara, but yeah, he, he had Kara out in midair. Yeah, and it's kind of like Nasim Kadri is going to do that like in two days. And, oh, he's and, he's due. Yeah, by game two, he'll he be is. suspended. I um, think he's I think he's minding his manners this year. Uh, I, uh, hope, I hope so. Because like, look, he didn't have to do very much against Nashville to mind his manners. Because that game was like they just rolled over them, so you didn't yeah. need to be dirty there. Right, the Blues are going to be a bit of a nuisance, but are they like, though? I, well, we'll see. But I wore I wore an abs. I've been wearing an Avs jersey around because my undying sustain for the blues and uh, yeah, go Avs and uh, fuck the wild. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Battle of Alberta is exciting. I wish that the Oilers weren't wearing those awful uniforms, but yeah. Battle of Alberta and Battle of Florida. Yeah. yeah. Battle of Florida should I'm, be a good one. Yeah. The, the Florida Tampa series is going to be a good one. Uh, Betsy, what about you? Any of your uh, observations or thoughts from the first round of the playoffs? Um. Well, I'm only really rooting for like two teams and they're like playing each other. So I'm annoyed about that because I only really like Carolina and I'm, ex- I was excited about them. I think they should have beat Boston sooner. I think they let Boston into the series a little bit too much. Um, and the same thing with the Rangers. I know Pittsburgh was a good team, but like, I think they, they allowed Pittsburgh to just dictate too much and good news for Carolina then, because I think they could roll over if the Rangers show up like they did against Pittsburgh, then yay, Carolina is going to make it. I, I would say the Rangers are a really well coached team, but they also fucking played three games against Louis Domingue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, but, and they only won that series because Crosby got hurt. Like they had no answer for him, which, uh, Oh, that, maybe that was the answer. Jake, An- Jake Gensel out. and Crosby and all. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah the, so. the, the Penguins are like one of those teams where you watch their zone entries and you're just like, why can't the Hawks get their shit together? Well, good coaching. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh, God. Those are two really well-coached teams <laughs> playing against each other, and I'm just like yeah. drooling over it. Yeah, I mean, the Rangers played above what I think they're 
players were actually capable of doing partially because of how good their coaching was and um, how good their goaltending was and how great their goaltending was. Uh, what was sure the most disappointing series was the wild losing to the blues. Cause the blues are not a good team, but, um, <laughs> I don't, well, what about what then? What do you think about the wild? Cause they lost the wild were better than the blues in most of those games. In my opinion, they certainly were better. They had like 58 or 60% of the expected goal share overall in the series. Yeah. Um, but they played, they had some stupid ass mistakes, like just some brain farts that the brains, that brains, the blues just capitalized <laughs> on. Um, and honestly, Flurry didn't do well. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say Flurry was bad in that series. Yeah, he was <laughs> the worst goaltender in the first round. Um, and I don't think it was particularly close. Well, and I think I, I feel like I said it a few times during the regular season that I, I still was trying to adjust to a world where the Minnesota Wild have like an exciting, actual, talented hockey player on their team. Uh, but I guess I still don't have to adjust to a world where they're like a really grown up. <laughs> they won't, they won't disappoint team. their fans and yeah. get everybody else go. Well, All right. When's the last time a wild player was on a commercial? <laughs> He's on Never. those those haircut commercials. I, I'm just I, like, oh. probably the first one ever. Considering uh, that's a relatively new team, uh, unless I don't know Ryan uh, Suter or uh, Parise got on when they signed. Uh, they're boring. I don't think Parise ever. Parise's like last time he was ever in like any type of marketing was back when they went to the Olympics in 2014. When so he was probably still in New Jersey at the time. No, no, he was in. No, that was oh. yeah. That was like right after, like two yeah, years yeah. after. Okay. Because okay. didn't he go to the final in twelve with New Jersey, and then he left? Maybe. I think he played in that final against the Kings, and then he was a free agent that summer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the uh, the the other thing that uh, just stood out to me, or, or the other thing I noticed uh, while this was going on. And I want to look up his name because I want to make sure I say it right because I feel like I, I didn't know. Is who the hell is Nick Paul and where did Tampa? Oh, fight? Ottawa. Yeah, Ottawa. he's good. He's good. Yeah, he's just I I, feel, I I thought I had a decent handle on uh, everything, every all the good players in Tampa. And then you watch game seven and Nick Paul scores two goals just it's, out no, of I, left field. Yeah, I covered one of those games against the Sens and I was like when he was still there and I'm like, oh, this guy can actually play. Yeah, I mean, look, so his production in Ottawa is the perfect example of how Tampa looks at underlying numbers to pick their players because he had only like like 18 or 19 points in 60-ish games in Ottawa, so like nothing to write home about, but all of his underlying microstats are beautiful. Um, he goes to a Tampa, and he's not even play, he's not necessarily even playing up in their lineup that much, and he had he wasn't like a point per game. He had like 15 and 20 or 14 and 21 or something like that. And that's just what they do. They did it to Blake Coleman. Blake Coleman was a good player, but not a great player. It's what the Blackhawks did at one time with Johnny Oduya. Johnny mm-hmm. Oduya was a very underrated, but statistically good guy on a bad team and put him in the perfect situation. But uh, I wish I need the Blackhawks to do that again. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. Tampa Don't has done it. Tampa has done it several years in a row. It's why the Brendan Hagel trade was interesting because Brendan Hagel obviously did had all kinds of good under micro stats, but we all knew he was shooting really At high. Twenty two percent. I think. <laughs> I, th- I think though, like also scouting in relation to like your system is, has a lot to do with that because. Yeah. I know they look at the numbers, but like they can tell like, okay, like this guy is going to do good with us because we don't suck. 
like the Sens or the Hawks. Yeah. But but like we could use this skill set or whatever. But Brandon Hagel was getting away with murder at twenty two percent. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and and I think that the Nick Paul like get, becoming a game seven hero, I think that very specific thing it, it kind of reminded me. I think the thing that I missed the most about the Hawks not being in the playoffs is one of my like I really it's it's always fun when players that were kind of under the radar go into the postseason and then in a big game they deliver and become you know, th- th- that's how you become a, a legend with your team is a big postseason performance. So like the going way back to like the Dustin Bufflin hat trick and against Vancouver in 09. <laughs> I uh, clipped that d- newspaper. I still have yeah, it. D- Dave Bolin owning the Canucks on several occasions. Uh, Bickle. Brian Bickle in all of 2013. Andrew Shaw had a bunch of moments like just the guys like the under the radar guys flourishing in big situations. That specific thing is what I missed. One of the things I missed the most about I, the Blackhawks not being in the playoffs. To your point, Dave, I have the the Ben Smith clip ben in the intro. Smith, playoff hero Ben Smith. But we all like, I mean, that was a freak out moment to stay alive. Like, yeah, well, yeah, and that, I feel like that's it's um that's you know that that's when players really cement legacies and become part of team lore. And because the Hawks haven't done that in five or six years, like you know, we we can sing the praises of Alex Abrikat all we want, and and he deserves them all. But he also like there's there's going to be something missing from any legacy he leaves in Chicago just because there hasn't been any playoff games for him to play in. 2020s will hang an asterisk on it. So, so hey, uh, while we're here on the top of the, the Blackhawks, we could want to talk a little bit about some of the defensemen uh, from last season, uh, kind of our more of our season recap stuff. And there's a few guys that seem like they're on their way out the door that we probably don't need to get into too much. Uh, Calvin DeHaan seems like he's an unrestricted free agent, uh, so it seems like he's on his way out. And uh, tip of the cap, he was you know one of our favorite. Uh, I think the only Blackhawks player that followed us on Twitter. So uh, I guess he's one of our guys. He's, he's one of our guys. So he's gone. Uh, Eric Gustafson seems like he's on his way out the door. Thank God. Thank God. God. <laughs> uh, Caleb Jones. We'll, we're going to put a pin in that and maybe come back to it. Cause he's a restricted free agent and there's a discussion there. Um, I, I guess no, there the, isn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe there's not. <laughs> there shouldn't be. I, I guess I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw this over to Shay first. And and is there a particular defenseman that you had a thought on, or in uh, just something you wanted to share related to any of the Blackhawks defensemen from last season? Jake McCabe. I think oh, this yeah. is a good this this is a good point to start because I think everybody has has Jake McCabe thoughts. Uh, disappointing because he had better numbers in Buffalo, and maybe that's because the coaching was better in Buffalo, and like it just like there it was it took a lot of effort to adopt to the Chicago system, which may be an indictment of the Chicago system more than it is an indictment of Jake McCabe. But like you you sign a guy for four by four because that's I think what his contract is, right? You you yeah. expect more you expect more out of him. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Than what they got out of McCabe, which was a solidly third pairing defenseman, if that, on any other team. Yeah. Yeah, it was not a good year for uh, for old number six. <laughs> no, like not nothing nothing he did like great. Like none of his stats are good. Uh, he like his his counting stats were bad. Just y- yikes! And that's coming from somebody who still stands Connor Murphy after the season Murphy had. Yeah, well, I think the interesting part with McCabe is, well, I guess the big question mark is he did come off a. He had a season-ending injury in the prior season in 2021. So there, I guess if you're if you're grasping for some dose of optimism, it's that maybe he 
needed a year, needed this year to get the confidence back and just get the get the need. Something with that knee is as the scapegoat for this is why he was bad, and next season he won't be as bad. I guess that, that's all, that's all I got for you. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, Betsy. What about you? Any uh, defensemen you want to chime in on, or maybe pile in on the Jake Cave, Jake McCabe discussion? Well. Yeah, he was frustrating because he has all the attributes to be a top four player and was in Buffalo. And I thought he was much better at the end of the season. Like I thought he improved towards the end, mostly when he was playing with none of the guys he played with the rest of the year when he was rotating with like Regula and Vlasic a little bit. I don't like he and Regula were playing together towards the end and they looked good together. So maybe that's the type of defender that he needs somebody who, um, can go out there and wheel and deal and McCabe can be the guy that stands there um, <laughs> and does the like springboarding. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, you know? Uh, like he's the more stay at home guy on a yeah. offense and defensive pairing. I just, he didn't click. He just really, really, really did not click with Seth Jones. And then he and Murphy did not look great together. And then even when they tried to play them off sides together with DeHaan, it just, I don't, it just no combination seemed to work. Um, and I don't know if that was totally on him, but yeah, he, it was disappointing and frustrating to watch. Um, he still he weirdly had some like was one of the better zone exit guys, which was interesting. Um, but other guys like I, I have such hope for the kids coming up that um, I'm sad to see Dehan go because I actually think he was probably the second best. If I I think Seth Jones is the best defenseman, and then I think Dehan was probably the second best one because Connor Murphy had a down year and McCabe was kind of trash and then everybody else was kind of trash right <laughs> like i like how polite, like, just kind of trash not actual tra- but just kind of trash he had at least some he had more redeeming qualities than i think any of the other guys did but whatever um so i have such hope for the kids and i don't know how they're going to treat next year that i i wouldn't even mind it just being wiped clean i know that caleb jones and riley stillman are both youngish but at the same time, I feel like they have maybe potential, better potential in the system than either one of them, even though I think, I don't know, they maybe could be bottom pair guys and be fine. Yeah, but, Riley Stillman's going to be an interesting case because he got a three-year extension. And he's got two years left on that contract, uh, but it's only like a million and a half. And that was also, you know, under a t- entirely different regime. So there's no telling if, uh, the current regime believes he's as good as the prior regime did. So I, I guess we'll, you know, we'll find out by the way they, they deal with him going forward. Um, but swinging it around quickly in the mill, any, uh, any players you wanted to chime in on while we were on the topic of Blackhawks demon? Yeah, I'll just, I'll, I'll chime in real quick before a special message from our sponsors. Um, <laughs> I, uh, to piggyback Thank on you. what you said on McCabe, I do think the injury might have messed him up because when you look at him, just like without trying to put too much thought into it, a lot of times he looked like he knew he was not where he was supposed to be. And he was trying to get there and he just couldn't uh, a lot. A lot of times after a goal, he was on his face. Like, you know, he looked like he did a Wrigleyville bar crawl. It was kind of embarrassing, <laughs> but I, I don't want to hate on him. I mean, hopefully he could put it together. He just did not look very good. 
obviously the numbers were not very good as well. Um, and the other guy, I think, uh, and I, I said this going into the season, I said, Seth Jones is a good player. He just is going to have to fight the contract and the trade because, you know, that's always going to be the enemy there. But uh, he showed that his athletic ability is is very, very, very top shelf. And I think in a good system with a real NHL coach, he could thrive. But I, even with the mess of the team that they, the coaching they had, he showed that he's a skilled guy and it's, uh, a good anchor to have on that defense if all these young guys coming up can uh, can play. Yeah, uh, a guy that can move that well at that size is not uh, that that's not nothing. Like, uh, and the fact that he plays twenty to twenty five minutes every night is mm-hmm. also pretty impressive. And um, if you look at all the, you know, I'm looking at all the natural stat trick stuff. I mean, the whole team's underwater because you know the possession stats were terrible, but. Seth Jones is at least like above the team rate in like every category that exists. So well, yeah, that, which would suggest that he was better than uh, it, some of the dr- uh, the dredges at the bottom. I always like I was gonna say just microstats wise, looks good. I mean, like he did better than a lot a lot of people thought he was gonna do this year. Yeah, I think the he biggest, led the team in defensive X card too. Yeah, I think I think the biggest problem with Jones, it's not really this isn't his problem is. He can skate his way out of trouble, which is a great skill to have, but he needs a system so he doesn't have to skate his way out of trouble 25 minutes a night. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That it's that's everybody's problem though, not just <laughs> his. The whole the whole all the blue liners are just fucked with like we need a coach now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we've got several other defensemen to talk about, and we're gonna take a quick timeout as Mill alluded to and uh, hear a word from our sponsors, and then we're gonna come back on the other side of this break and talk a little bit more about some of the other guys. Welcome back to Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. And as promised before the break, we wanted to dive back into discussing the Blackhawks defenseman from last season. And and maybe I guess kind of with an eye on what it's going to look like going forward. And uh, one name that came up already, and I think there's going to be a healthy discussion in the Blackhawks front office and elsewhere related to his future with the team is Caleb Jones, because he is 24, I believe, maybe 25. Cap friendly has him at 24, but that could be his start of the season age. He'll turn 25 in about three weeks on uh, June 6th. So his contract is up at the end of this season. So he is now a restricted free agent um, only made on 850 grand. So it won't cost you a ton of money to bring him back, but his presence on the roster could take away a roster spot from a potential up and coming younger defenseman, which the Blackhawks seems like they have many of those guys uh, and have for several years now. But uh, I guess swinging around, we'll go, we'll start with Shea again. Uh, just Caleb Jones thoughts. Go ahead. He's really bad, and he's only on the, he was only on the team to begin with to make Seth Jones happy. And I hope that Seth Jones was happy playing a season with his brother because he shouldn't play another season with his brother in Chicago. Uh, <laughs> tell Caleb me what Jones, you, like, tell me what you really think. He's very inconsistent when he's go like in the very few good games he had, he was good, but he's like mo- the vast majority of the games that probably say like 70 of them were really bad. Well, um, he only played 51. So, okay. So 50, <laughs> so for, 50, 40, so 40, 45, 45 <laughs> of those games were really bad games. Okay. Um, and I, you can't even, even at eight fifty K you can't keep a, a, a defense center around when he's going to get one of every nine games. Good. Betsy, what about you? 
Um, so, you know, everybody knows I love microstats. If you look at his, he had like the Blackhawks in general didn't, won't grade at like zone exits, but Caleb Jones had the most botched zone exits on the team. And that's <laughs> saying something like, so that's defensive, basically defensive zone turnovers all day. Yeah. Like he Sounds just, like- yeah, he, he couldn't get out of the zone to save his life. And it was funny because we would comment on Eric Gustafson doing that. Cause he, he would fling the puck away sometimes, but Caleb Jones actually did worse than him. And I agree with Shay that there were bright spots. He did have games where he looked like an NHL player, but they were so far like in between these like few, few and far beyond. between. Yeah. Like what's up with that? You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, so my whole point for him is if they bring him back, it's not going to be the end of the world, but his leash needs to be very short. He had like the longest leash of any player. Like even Gustin got sad and I get that their age difference makes them different. Should they should be treated slightly differently that way, but neither one of them were helping the Hawks win most nights. So yeah, just, don't play him if he's playing bad. I don't like <laughs> just there were other players that played if they played poorly, but it was like their first bad game in a while. They got like stapled to the press box. But Caleb Jones mm. would have like 10 in a row. Like, that's weird. Don't do that um, <laughs> anymore, please. Yeah, I, I feel like with, with Caleb Jones, like I, I'm not going to lie. I do feel like he's coming back uh, next season. And oh. I, I think it's going to be. If it's like his is you know they tender him the qualifying offer as a restricted free agent, which if uh, math serves me correctly, he will be at nine thirty five. Well, it has to be at least nine hundred and thirty five thousand dollars because he has to go up ten percent from last year's contract. I believe is how that works. If if he's you know a million or less than that, and it's one more year to see if maybe he puts it all together, I could like I I don't feel like that's the end of the world for one year for one million. If he gets anything more than that, then then I get a little squeamish. And if he's bad, if he's bad for thirty five of the first forty games, you need to switch to a younger defenseman. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, I think that's you know part of the hopefully improvement in self scouting of the organization and just the overall general better approach that we hope happens with the new regime in charge is that they recognize when a guy isn't playing well at the NHL level, and then you either sit him down or send him down. You know, one of the two. Uh, Mill, what about you? Your uh, Caleb Jones thoughts? You know, I understand uh, the idea of wanting to play with your brother. I mean, my brother is like my best friend, so I, I would advocate for him to be on my team. But I think that if that's the case, Seth needs to take Caleb and say, hey, we're going to go start working out and fixing some of your problems and have some responsibility because he still has to be able to play if they want him around. Uh, like the Steelers have four sets of brothers now, but the, the well, coach good came for out. the Steelers. And, and no, but but won when all they, your Super Bowls. I'm sorry. No, but but I'm when they asked, him, <laughs> well, when they asked about him, hey, I mean, I wasn't alive for four of them, but uh, uh, when they asked about him, they go, well, yeah, like we like these guys' character, but they can all play football, and this has to be yeah. the same thing with hockey. It's like, hey, you want you want these brothers? That's fine, but they have to be able to play. And so I think if they want to keep them, you know, they have to make some adjustments because I think he sucks uh, personally. <laughs> and uh, also, I, I think having the right coach again, like you can fix some things and prevent bad habits and shelter guys. But like Betsy brought up, you don't even have to look at the numbers to see how bad he is in his own end when trying to exit the zone. Like he's a fucking turnover machine. Yeah. And I felt like the, there was a game. Uh, I can't remember which one, but there's a game where he scored a goal 
and he had, I, I think there's a really nice rush or he just made a really nice play and ended up scoring a goal on it. And you're like, Oh, all right, that was cool. Maybe he's, you know, starting to put some things together. And then later on in the game, he made an egregious defensive miscue well, that that's led directly to a goal against. And like, that is the Caleb Jones experience I, in a nutshell. I think Caleb Jones, I don't think he's debunked of talent. Like I'm sure at many levels of, of hockey, he probably was far superior to his peers uh, athletically. But you have to be able to do things the right way in the NHL or you're not going to succeed. It was like watching a, some guy get assigned point guard who can't dribble the ball up court. You <laughs> yeah, know, I mean, so. Well, I mean, he, he and Seth, you know, their their dad was in the NBA. So that's, that's, that's true. Pretty, yeah, it was that's a maverick, pretty good right? genetics to start with right there. Yeah, um, no kidding. But I'll but, say this. It's like we already had Gustafson. We didn't need another guy like that. It's like, oh, he yeah. can play offense. Yeah, but he doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I think like looking at the just trying to look at the roster for next season and try and get an idea of who's going to be around. Like obviously Seth Jones isn't going anywhere via his contract. Same for McCabe and Connor Murphy, who hopefully is back and healthy. Well, he his his four year contract extension kicks in at the start of next season. So Jones, McCabe, and Murphy three for sure. Um, and then and then outside of that, Riley Stillman's under contract, so he'll be back. So that's yeah. only, that's only four guys. Yeah, I know. So. And then this is where we get into the the murkier part of the picture, because it feels like we've been saying for like five years now that the Hawks have all these defensive prospects who are on the way. Well, they're all in there. Like the majority of them are like of legal drinking age now. So at some point you'd like to see them start (laughs) making the leap to the NHL. Uh, This is more like the, the Ian Mitchell's of the world and why Callum, which uh, I don't know. We'll, we're going to get there in a second, but Nicholas Bodan uh, does not seem like he has a future in Chicago to be as blunt as I can be. Um, and I think there's a, and like, there's a, then there's some of like the next wave that are right behind those guys, like that are a little bit younger, like the Isaac Phillips and Alex Vlasics of the world. Uh, and Alec Regula is in there as well. I think Regula is a little bit older, isn't he? He's a, uh, he's 21. Yeah. He just turned 21. He'll be, I'll be, oh, he'll be 22, be 22 soon. Yeah. That's yeah. So I, I guess this, so. This is where the, the one thing I keep coming back to, and again for for those who are not of the uh, the analytics minded, sorry, but this is what this is where we're rolling. Uh, the two players with the highest expected goal shares on uh, that played at least two hundred minutes this season on the Blackhawks uh, among defensemen, Alex Vlasic and Alec Regula. So and and they weren't the most sheltered minutes like. Neither one of like uh, Vlasic was about 50, 50 split in terms of uh, offensive zone starts. Regula was down at 40%. So I'm not going to tell you those guys are great, but it does feel like they should be in the mix for NHL spots next season. Right. Uh, (laughs) I I know you had thoughts on this. Regula also played higher quality of comp than Vlasic tended to play mid to low. And Regula played in his second stint with the Hawks played a lot in the upper echelon, like for some reason, like they just kept putting him out there and his minutes went up for it too. So, so uh, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so the, if I was going to pick, I know we're going to talk about the Rockford ice hogs, but if I was going to pick two guys from the ice hogs that I think are probably should get the first NHL nods, it's going to be Ian Mitchell. And then it's going to be Regula. Um, Ian Mitchell is a little bit older and I think he's more well-rounded already. Uh, Regula might be more like 
like skilled. I don't know how to like, I think they both have their things, but um, Vlasic is an interesting one though, because he's young. Um, and he he's very, drink very, <laughs> huh? He cannot yeah, he can't drink. drink legally, I should say. It does and, not mean he doesn't. <laughs> and yeah. he is very willowy. <laughs> he is a he's Victor Svedberg. Svedberg uh, actually had some like mass to him. Vlasic's 6'6, 200 pounds. And I, I, I saw, yeah. I saw Vlasic in person. He is very skinny. Yeah, he's a little like you feel like he might need to put on some cushion just from the like how rough <laughs> the league is going to be to him. Him and Kirby um, Doc need to get in that goddamn weight room <laughs> and get the goddamn buffet line um, behind and, me, of course. And also, yeah. after watching, I love Vlasic. I think everybody knows that I was I've always been a big fan of him. The only NCA player that um, NCAA player that I liked better on defense is Kaiser. Um, but he's even younger and not coming over yet, but um, he's got moves though. Yeah. I love him. Um, just like little fangirl right now. Okay. Um, but Vlasic, uh, he has some technical things that I think that being in the AHL would help him um, figure out speed wise. So I wouldn't mind him staying in the AHL for at least a little while, like let him get a taste of professional hockey a little bit um down there uh because there are other guys who i think they should give a taste to before him even though i think the world of vlasic i think he could be at least the second pair guy i actually think like but he's so so skinny it it, it was a little weird that uh when they started the ahl playoffs they did not send vlasic down to play with them like they sent everybody else down there i don't think that's weird the blue line down there was very crowded already um, okay. And who are you, who are you going to sit for him? Are you going to tell Kalyanuk who's been playing the whole time and who was one of their top four guys? You're not going to play anymore. Are you going to tell like who are you going to tell that you're not going to sit? They already had to sit Bodan because Stanton was better than him. Um, I guess you could have sat both of them, but then you're playing somebody who's never played mm-hmm. their system down there at all, and you do want them to try to win. You know, you don't want them to just go out. Was Nick Modan bad or just like not as good? Yeah. Well, really quickly on him, because he was a healthy scratch for, was it all three playoff games? Or uh, the, the series against the Wolves, I should say. He played in two, okay. um, but he was scratched during Texas, um, too. So Bodan took a step back this year. It's just as uh, he didn't even like stagnate. He he took a step back. He Colleton broke him. um the first couple the first like 10 or so games uh you could tell they wanted bodan and mitchell maybe to be the top pair so they were rotating that top four a little bit trying to figure out but bodan and mitchell were together and they didn't look great together and bodan didn't look awesome you know one of the things that was so good about him in the past was like how poised he always is and how he doesn't really make mental mistakes right and he made a lot of like irregular mistakes for him, like things that he had never done before. It was like he was in his head too much or something. And then he just never picked it up pretty much all season. He got a little bit better, like, like a little bit better towards the end. Um, He was showing up on the scorecard for positive things, not just points, but other things, but Everything just looked out of sorts for him. He wasn't as good with one of the things he's always been good at is in transition, being able to get the puck out smartly. Um, Mm -hmm. Not great at that Um, this season. uh, He was always pretty good at puck retrievals, not overly physical because he's not a big guy, but he could always get the puck usually through stick work. Not very good at that this year. Um, His decision-making, you could see he was like overthinking things through the neutral zone too. Like, 
it just, Ian Mitchell went into last season and he had some moments where it looked kind of like he was going through that phase two. And then this year he just was really good at everything. Like he took strides to me. Ian uh, Bodan did the opposite. It seems so, like, and it seems like with Bodan taking that step back, like there's, and now that you add Vlasic and Regula into the picture and then, you know, you look too far down the pipeline, you know, Isaac Phillips is playing in the AHL and uh, Nolan Allen is now has a professional contract and there's Jakob Galvis as well. So there's, there's all these guys that seem like they might be slipping ahead of him on the depth chart that like, if he doesn't show up at the next training camp and have a really good one, like he might not just might not have a future in Chicago. And it seems like that's the way it's trending right now. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Cause he's only 22. He's going to be 23 soon, but so that seems like, Oh, you're giving up on him kind of young. Um, and it could have just been a one-off. He could, have turned it back around because I think arguably he was maybe the best defender last season for Rockford, especially down the stretch. And then this year he just, he slowly moved his way down the depth chart and mm-hmm. then got scratched in favor of Stanton in the playoff mm-hmm. in the Texas series. And then they lost that first game and they put him back in there and he just didn't make any impact like yeah. at all. Well, I, I guess that'll be uh, one name we have to watch when we get to September uh, before we dive in completely to a quick recap with the ice hogs any other defensemen that uh any of the three had thoughts on that we missed uh i because I, I i think we got all the names off that i uh, all the names are off my list yeah i think we're good also texas stars how original <laughs> um but yeah I, I mean i think we're all kind of in agreement that like it's like we know who's good and who's not as far as the established players and Here's to hoping for the young guys. I think, um, again, I feel like I've been saying it for several years now, but it's like at some point uh, would like to see some of the, some of the young defensemen uh, show up at the NHL level and grab a spot and not let it go. Uh, hope that, I guess that's the finger crossed for next season. Cause that's going to be uh, one of the bigger, I, one of the biggest things they need is they, they need, they need some of their own prospects line. to develop. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Get Connor Bedard cool, but you also need a blue line. Uh, ask Connor McDavid, who hasn't really had much of a blue line his entire career and uh, hasn't really won anything because of that. So uh, while we're here on the Rockford Icehawks topic, uh, they just got swept by the Chicago Wolves in three games uh, of a five-game series. So uh, good for the Wolves, I guess. Uh, Betsy, I know you had the most attention out of this group geared towards that. So do you have a quick uh, – quick post-mortem on that series for us. Um, I guess I wrote my preview article too positively because I was excited. <laughs> yeah, you convinced them. Mill that they were going to win. <laughs> okay. You're well, lucky I can't bet on the age, so. <laughs> so uh, I had high hopes that they could uh, win a game or two. Um, I didn't know if they could win. I know they did win eight of the 12 against them during the regular season, but we all know that regular season and the playoffs are completely different beasts. Um, and I, the wolves are a much older, more experienced team. The, the ice hogs were definitely prospect heavy. They did have some older guys like Kirsch Gabriel jumped on there later and Dylan McLaughlin, but, all of their defense defensemen, except for Stanton, who rotated in, um, and oh, I'm blanking on the other one, but uh, were almost all, you know, 25, 24, or younger. Um, Phillips is only just turned 20. Um, Regula turned 21 right before the season, that kind of stuff. Um, and then all of the high scorers were 
young guys other than Brett Conley. So it was young versus very experienced, older, predominantly AHL guys, but there were also some former NHL guys like Panic and Levo on there. Um, oh, by the way, uh, Richard Panic, I believe, uh, had his pocket picked by Lucas Reichel. Yes. So, uh, so uh, there was some hope that they could do well. Soderbloom had a bad first game, and then the Wolves figured out very quickly how to, if they just shut down Reichel's line, there's no depth. <laughs> yeah. well, so, boy, that sounds familiar. Yeah, so they, if you, if you watched the games, they just like tag teamed Reichel the whole time. And it did give Reichel <laughs> some fits. Uh, Reichel played probably his worst defensively in that series than I've seen him all season. Um, he still did create. He had, he and Tepley still had probably the best um, chances, but um, yeah, they just didn't, they didn't have her full line because they put, uh, Oh my God, blanking on his name, but another AHL guy got moved up that was normally on the third line. Just didn't click with them very well. Was it um, the Duddowicks or something like that? Or there's there's some guys got a really weird name. Starts with, with. Way, with way too many consonants. Yeah, but either way, they just they've been playing with. I think they probably should have moved Slavin up there at one point, but they just they didn't. Slavin was with uh, Hardman and Barrett most of the time, um, and. They got one goal. Barrett got a goal, which was actually a very pretty shot. <laughs> um, but other than that, like they all, they also the only offense they got other than that were from defensemen from Regula yeah. and Ian Mitchell, which were both almost uh, by themselves. You know, like and that's that's how it had to happen. It almost had to yeah. be singular efforts. Reichel's goal was almost a singular effort. You know, like the Wolves were just much better than them, and I feel bad for giving people false hope, but. <laughs> Just By me. people, you mean me. Yeah. <laughs> My mill. But uh, I don't think anybody should look at it as a disappointment. Like, I, that's what I tried to write in my, my article today. Um, it wasn't unexpected. They overperformed all season, yeah. considering how absolutely shallow they were at forward and how mm-hmm. young their defenders were. And I, um, I, I so. think the, the other point to understand as it relates to the Chicago Wolves is that they are, as a organization, they are much more focused on winning at the AHL level. Cause they like, they, they just, they feel like they, they need to win at the AHL level to sell tickets. It seems like, cause they're, they're advertising all over town. Like I feel like there's some minor league teams that have NHL affiliations that we're just going to play who you send us. And if we win cool, if not, Oh, well, the Chicago wolves seem like we're going to win and we're going to sign Steve Maltese is going to be a team legend for 10 years uh, who I think he retired in like 08, but they, they get like career AHL guys to come there and win because they need to win to sell tickets. Well, they, they used to sell more tickets than the Hawks though. Yeah. Back back in the day. I'm not joking. And maybe, and might get there again, the way things are going. You you guys, there was a game in like 05 or 06, I think like when Boston came and they announced the crowd as 10,000 at the United center and people were losing their minds. Yeah. Uh, well, Shay, if uh, I remember correctly, Shay, you had some questions you wanted to ask Betsy related to this yes. topic. So go right ahead. Sure. So to clarify, to first to clarify the, uh, the the Wolves thing, a lot of teams that like accept whoever you send to them and are, and are not like focused on tickets do are so because they're owned by their NHL affiliate, like yes. the Ice Hogs. 
Yes. The Wolves have never been owned by their affiliate. And in fact, I think they're the, the, the team that, whose affiliation has changed to the most over the last 10 years. Yeah, I think they started yeah. in the IHL, which doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah. And then they were the Blues and then they were Golden Knights. Yeah, then they, they, were went, they went all the Blues, I think, the, again. And then now they're the Carolina. Yeah, they, they toured the And NHL. Vancouver, I think, too. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, I think Seattle has every, some players with the Wolves. Every team the Hawks have had a huge rivalry with, the Wolves had their it's, it seemed. Um, there was no Red Wings, but they did have Chelios. Yeah, cool. At 50 years yeah. old or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, Wolves, the Wolves are a, are a wild team. Anyway, uh, how? what do you think of the coaching of the Ice Hawks? Do you think that that's something that should continue next year? Like, Do you think that the, that coaching staff – what you've seen of them is good enough to help develop the players. Well, so they like the Blackhawks are a porous team. They allow a lot of shots against Soderbloom faced more shots than any other um, goalie uh, that played a certain like 30 games or more. He was like at the top of that. And then in the playoffs, just in those, he even though he got pulled in those three games he played, he those three games were he faced the most shots. He faced 40 and 49 shots in the last two games. Like that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, and that was a season-long trend. So I I don't know because they're still not a very good uh possession team down there. But okay. I will say their breakouts are better. Um, they do a better job of clearing up mistakes in front, like their, their defenders were very good at letting the other team shoot and then getting out of the zone and then getting the other way. It's part of why the defenders had as many points as they did Um, in the actual Chicago games during the regular season, the defensemen factored into like 90% of the goals um, in like a big way and a lot of primary assists, but like they're the only reason that they, they got as many points as they did against them. And uh, in the playoffs, obviously they just shut that down and it killed them. But so in that regard, yes, if they could figure out how to tweak, like somebody has to teach this organization to possess again. Right. Yeah. I will say what what you're saying is that the head coach who was Derek King's assistant before the season should probably go back to being the next head coach's assistant. Uh, maybe I, I would like, I wonder if, if like they're, they were trying to make it similar to way, the way that the Hawks were playing. That's my only. Well, that's, and that's actually what I was going to bring up is that I, I think famously for like, I have a complaint about this as well. Was it, was that like <laughs> the, the Hawks were playing one system and the AHL team was playing a different yes. system. And what the seems fuck? to make no sense. Like, no, like, I, I that just so I that's another thing like going forward like if you could get the entire organization playing a similar style of hockey I know the AHL is a little bit more of a a dump and chase grind it out type of game but there's still some like basic tenets of like defensive coverage and stuff that should be uniform across all levels yeah. of hockey and that's how you develop players so I think I think the tweaks that were slightly so I think that the systems were very similar but the tweaks that that Sorsen made in the AHL was on the blue line. And part of that is because that blue line down there is so mobile versus mm-hmm. the one in Chicago, which is not. Yeah. You well, know, the one thing, the one coach, like there was an article that just was uh, up at the athletic powers wrote a big piece on Michael Tepley. Uh, and, and if you read in the article, it talks about um, Peter, I think Peter Aubrey's his name. He's been the goalie coach 
in Rockford forever, it seems. Mm-hmm. And uh, Aubrey, like, I think they, anyway, they, they paired Aubrey up with Tepley and they, it seemed like over the second half of the season, Tepley got a lot better. Now I know Betsy, you've written a few times mentioned that uh, part of that could just be that he was playing with Lucas Reichel might've been part of it. The reason for that, or maybe Tepley figured something out and he and Reichel together brought the best out of each other. So like that, I guess that's something we'll, we'll only be able to tell in the future, but uh, like there's a fair amount of success stories for goalies that have gone through Rockford. So I don't know if they changed the entire coaching staff, uh, what they're going to do with that, but it seems like Peter Aubrey has a pretty good reputation for uh, working with players and getting the best out of players. So, uh, so th- that's one name I would throw out is maybe, maybe keep him around. Yeah. I like, I, it's, it'll be interesting. Cause I think Sorsen, I think is his name. I'm like, Sorensen. yeah. Um, he could probably, if they got a better coach up, above could implement that in the AHL with better tweaks. Like I said, the tweaks that he did make to the defenders did help Rockford down the line. Um, and Tepley is an interesting one to look out for because I don't know if it was Reichel was what they tweaked or if he really just needed to play with better players because they had him with grinders and so it's, it's uh, not so, his style. So it's Michael Strom. Is that what you're telling me? that's what it sounds it sounds like the dylan strobe case but just in the ahl yeah it was and the only reason they even moved him up is because uh slavin went to the top and then um connelly was injured for a second so he moved up to reichel and they connected instantly so i don't even know if they would have made that choice if there hadn't been injuries so okay uh that was gonna be my next question what do you think of the the less known names like like you've mentioned pepley and barrett and uh, all these guys who might be important depth down the road for the Blackhawks. Yeah. Who like, so uh, we have, so I think Tepley could be something. Um, I like him a lot. He's got decent size. He's got good moves. Interestingly, he played, he like shot, he's got a good shot, but he's actually a better playmaker. Um, and that's part of why Reichel was scoring more goals is because they balanced each other out really well. Um, and he wasn't afraid to do grunt work if he needed to. Um, so I liked him. Uh, defensively, he could be a little bit better, but that's true of most players. Um, <laughs> I actually really liked Hardman this year. We've already talked about him a lot. Um, Barrett did not have a great season. Uh, he didn't play with the best players, though, but he also did not. He was with my, when he was with Reichel, didn't make the most of it. Alti Barmakian, um, when he played with Reichel, did make the most of it, but still was under half a point per game. Um, I think he could be a pretty good grinder. He's a very hard worker. Maybe a third liner if he could get his scoring touch up a little bit. And that might be it. Like, that's the <laughs> okay, problem so, down there. Yeah. yeah. So Dave's, Dave's guy, Sla- Slavin, is not great? Oh, Slavin. Um, yeah. Oh, he's, he's in, like, fourth line center. I, like, I, so I think Slavin could be uh, the type of fourth liner that you that, like teams really need, but he needs to be developed into that um, because he's, he's, I think he naturally is the best defensive forward that they had down there under 25. Yeah. Okay. Carpenter. Yeah. So I, it's, I, I think the, the, uh, this came up at some point during the season that like a lot of these guys, there are guys that seem like they could be NHLers in the future, but the only one that might crack the top six is Lucas Reichel, right? Like that, that's still, it's, it's still really hard to see any of these guys being like 
uh, all these other names top out as like third liners at the at the most. I think okay, so Tepley, I think could be a second liner if he if what we saw at the end of this year can translate farther because he he was going at um, a 0.7 PPG for the last like little while and even when Reichel was down with injury he was still producing um okay so it just depends on how well he works out he did the reason they signed him is because he had had over a point per G in the WHL the year before that um so he was like Kurashev before Kurashev was Kur- like they were like those type they're like okay. similar players to me that both of them could be second liners if they hit their potential but it just depends on if they can because I think, th- and then this comes back to the point, uh, the thing I said in the first half of the pod about how, like, you, because the Hawks aren't in the playoffs, you don't have the guys that are like, have big performances in the playoffs and become like team legends. So uh, those are also the type of guys that, like, you develop in your farm system. They play well during the regular season and then they just have a night in the playoffs and become those stars. But it feels like the Hawks haven't even had any young Fords that have played well enough to, or like played through Rockford and developed and got to the NHL level and then got to a position where maybe they could do something in the postseason. Like, you know, the, the next wave of the Versteegs and the Bickles and the Bolins and all those guys, they haven't done that for ever. So, correct. And which is, which is the whole problem here. So uh, hopefully Lucas Reichel's good. And then there's all these other names behind them and we'll see where they go. Uh, I, uh, it's, it's just, there's, um, there's not, there's not a ton there. So hopefully, uh, in the future drafts, they, uh, they start stockpiling more players like that. All right. Well, uh, I, I think that's going to do it for the hockey discussion on this episode. Um, we, we can talk about goalies next week. There's not too much to discuss there. Uh, but as the internet's best food themed hockey podcast, uh, we haven't done some food takes in a while. We've been, uh, complaining about the Blackhawks too much. So, uh, Betsy recently had an experience, uh, that, that is going to actually Betsy is you just play this portion back for your friend and then help her make the decision. Help whoever is making the decision on this topic, uh, just play this for them and then we'll make the decision for him. So uh, can you lay out the problem here for us? Uh, so I have a friend and I'm in her bridal shower. So she's getting married in August. So we're doing all the, let's pick our dresses and all that stuff. But of course the best part is. I'm thrilled. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's doing, she's doing two different um, ceremonies. Cause uh, she's Indian. So she's doing like a, traditional Hindi, um, Hindu wedding ceremony, and then a Western one. So the Western one will have cake. So that's the best part of being in the part of that bridal shower. She could go cake testing. Um, so I'm not gonna lie. I'd almost be intrigued by the food in the other one, just because it would be a, probably a lot of different things than I'm have had at the weddings I've been to. Oh, I hope it's the, I love Indian food. So okay. like, yes. Um, and her mom's cooking is great too. So I'm assuming her mom and her dad are helping plan it a little bit. So I'm assuming they're going to help with food. Mm. And so I'm like, I will trust everything that you select. Um, but the cake part is, you know, they're trying to figure out what they want and everything like that. And her, her soon to be husband is, uh, gluten-free he can't eat gluten so you need to go to certain places and look at that so we tried um i went with them to their second shop and they tried four gluten-free 
cake samplers. And I honestly could not tell they were gluten-free. I could tell which one was vegan. Okay. Because <laughs> I, I once had, I once got gluten-free donuts from a place uh, for, I have a brother who was gluten intolerant. So uh, yeah, I don't, I, the difference between gluten and gluten-free food, I don't know what it is, but I don't taste it. <laughs> so yeah, that's I, good. They were, they were all delicious, but they, we had four different types and the selections were a vanilla with strawberry filling, um, cake with vanilla icing, a lemon with lemon icing. So lemon on lemon, a chocolate with chocolate icing, chocolate on chocolate, and then finally red velvet and Ooh. so good. All of them. Um, the chocolate was actually the vegan one, um, which is why I could, uh, I had, the red velvet first and then the chocolate. And I thought for sure that those would be my two favorites, but the chocolate actually ended up being the last, but the interesting dilemma was that we ranked them and the aggregate favorite was red velvet as it should be, but it was not, I think one of the ones they're going to select, which I, which was interesting. The lemon and the strawberry were the two, I think that they were trying to decide on and maybe they're going with the lemon one. The lemon one was very good. It was my third favorite, but that was just because the other two strawberry was better. Um, but what out of those four, what would your guys, you can probably guess what they're like, what they taste like. You probably have. Okay. I, I think, I think we should, the three of us should rank our, make our rankings. I think you, you kind of did yours there, Betsy, but we'll let you re-rank again at the end, just in case. So Shay and Mill, I don't know if you two are ready. Well, obviously, we didn't taste these, so we don't know what they no. are. We're just going off of description. But yes. uh, Shay, it sounds like you're ready to rank them, so go ahead. Yeah, bottom is vegan chocolate. Come on now. <laughs> now, is that, uh, beca- is that because it's vegan or is that because? <laughs> it's because I've been vegan and I know what vegan desserts taste like, and no thank you. <laughs> okay, all right. Let's 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 For the sake of argument, let's take away the vegan label and let's just pretend it's cho- – was it chocolate on chocolate? Like chocolate cake, chocolate icing? Yeah, I will say that it still tasted very good, but I could tell that it was vegan. Like, yeah. so Let's, it's not that it was bad. It just, and in fact, like I said, I had it second and I was like, oh, I, I like, cho- I just also don't like ch- like chocolate on chocolate as much as I like it to be a contrasting icing. Yeah. It's just my. All right, all right Shay, go, go ahead. Take, take another swing at that. We'll- okay. So is it just like a generic chocolate cake or are we going restaurant specific? Because if they're we're going restaurant specific, there's a very specific chocolate cake <laughs> that may feature at my wedding. No, just just a regular, just say okay. average, make these all average. Average chocolate cake. Hey, are, are you cake. about the, are you talking about Portillo's chocolate cake? Is that oh, what's going yeah. on? Okay. Yeah. No, it's not that good. Uh, <laughs> okay, so still uh okay. Lemon. I love lemon. I, do I love it in cake as much? Or is it a pie filling? It's a pie filling. Uh, so lemon on bottom, strawberry, no, chocolate, chocolate, third, strawberry, second, and then, yeah, red velvet. Mill, what about you? Um, I believe the Shea and I have the same list, which doesn't surprise me because we we like a lot of the same uh, foods, especially like desserts and stuff. Because uh, red velvet to me is a clear-cut winner. Red velvet just kicks ass. Yeah. Um, and a cake, I think the strawberry filling would put it over the chocolate just because it's got some kind of variation. And then I'm just not a big lemon cake person. You know, it's kind of like, it's okay. Okay. I, well, because I'm I've, similar to, you, uh, to the other two. I have lemon at the bottom. I've got the red velvet on top. And I think I'm going to do the chocolate on chocolate in the two spot. 
and I'll do the vanilla and strawberry at number three. And then Betsy, what was? Your- uh, so I had the chocolate chocolate on the bottom. Then I had the lemon. Then I had strawberry, and then red velvet was obviously the. Clear. Now, now, if it was like not the vegan chocolate, would that have affected your decision? I don't actually think so because, like I said, I don't. Okay. If it had been chocolate with a different vanilla, like like it had vanilla icing or some other icing on top, maybe it would be different. But I, that's just too much chocolate to me. I like mm. chocolate, but I don't because red velvet is essentially chocolate cake, but with cream cheese. That's why it's it. awesome. I was yeah, the exactly. Red, the red. No, I I agree with Betsy one hundred percent. I think I think chocolate is actually kind of better in like a marble cake. Yeah, oh, I love marble cake. Oh gosh, yes, marble <laughs> cake with a like any any backwards of that combination is unless it's a german chocolate i will um i will say that i was surprised at how much i liked the lemon because i agree with shay that lemon i like in pies and like stuff like that i like fruit pies a lot um and the strawberry was just better to me um but i like strawberry better than lemon so um so I, I have a question, I, and I, I don't know if we've actually discussed this topic before, so I'm intrigued if this is a, a regional thing, because uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and think that, Betsy, do you know what atomic cake is? Atomic? No, I don't think uh, so. It's atomic cake. Atomic cake? Is that the one? No, I don't think so. All right, because I... Cake my, technically my, atomic? My... My birthday was last week, and uh, and I was asked what type of cake we wanted. It's me and my twin, so I was. No, we have talked cake. about this because this is the cake that has like strawberries in the middle of it. Oh, right? yo, it's got everything. It, you like you you've oh, we've talked about all these different flavors. Like, what if you just put all of them into one cake? It doesn't have red velvet, but like, if there's a there's a banana at the bottom. It's like banana, and then ban- or it's banana cake, and then like a banana filling, and then like I think it's pound cake, and then strawberries, and then whipped cream, and then chocolate cake. And then vanilla frosting on top of all of that. And let me tell you, folks, it was heavenly. Uh, Banana so, cake is the only thing I like better than red velvet, I think. So, yeah, I didn't know if that was I, I just put it in our Slack discussion so you guys can all see it. But that's that's uh, that's my answer as a wedding. Just give me that. Just give Did me you come to that cake. decision uh, with your sibling? Uh, I, I think. I came to that decision and threw it to him and he agreed with me immediately. So yes. Well, I hope they, I hope what they do, cause they were talking about like three layers and maybe doing different flavors for each layer would be like a cool compromise. I do. I appreciate that there, uh, my friend's approach to the cake was, you know, it look needs to look good, but I really actually just want it to taste good. Yeah. You know, cause a lot yeah. of wedding cakes do I, not taste good because they have to be a little bit denser to hold up the weight oh. <laughs> yeah some of them are kind of bad actually yeah she was they were even talking about you know they do the fake we when we were going over there we were talking about how you can do like essentially a cake made out of styrofoam that has one section that can be cut out that's tasteable and then you have sheet cake for everybody else you might as well just make a beer cake at that point but i mean it's just it's all about the production and that's not what she wanted to do she wanted to have like a real cake that could be eaten I, um, which I appreciate as somebody. I, I tell you, you know, and, and the other thing, I, my main thought right now is congratulations to the person who was marrying that person because that that is the proper approach for this. Entire yeah, situation. I mean, he's so, very lucky. She's yeah, awesome. yeah, very very well done. Good job, good job on him. Uh, uh, but the, the other thing with the red velvet, it is great, but I feel like 
the scarcity of it is kind of the key. Like, I feel like you don't get a lot of red velvet in a lot of places. So, and I feel like if you had too much of it, it might ruin it. So I feel I'm going like- to go ahead and tell you the red velvet is very popular in the South. Is it really? I, th- I think I don't eat cake and like for me personally, I don't eat cake that often. So it works out well. Where, where do you eat cake outside of like birthday parties and ho- family holiday gatherings? So we get, cup- we get cupcakes at work all the time. So it's not oh, okay. like cake, but um, there's a bunch of different cupcake places around here that do like little ones and big ones. And then they give you essentially a sheet that's like, these are what you're eating because you get an assortment. And the red velvet ones are always like, go away. I need to grab go, that. Go on immediately. Yeah. That's when you got to beat everyone else to the office or to, to the break room. I think the, the, the cream cheese style frosting or icing mm-hmm. like yeah. really it's, helps too. I was like, I'm within, like, as soon as we're done here, I'm going to go eat dinner and it's really tempting to like go to the nearest store and find a place. You know what? I actually we're do have a cake in the fridge. So I might ruin my dinner because we have a Costco white cake, like the layered one with the vanilla mousse oh. on the inside. Oh, Costco, Costco is oh. actually well done. Like they do a good job when they do stuff like that. And I was supposed to go to Costco after dinner. Well, oh, this is just all bad for me. I was going to say, I can name like, <laughs> Five cupcake places off the top of my head that I love all of their red velvet cupcakes there. Um, the last wedding I went to, they had cupcakes as their instead of having like they had, I think a cake. Somebody got them a cake, but I don't know if anybody ate that cake really. Um, it was the cupcakes that was the best part. And interestingly, I didn't. They didn't have red velvet there, but they did have Oreo kind, and I didn't think I was going to like it. I like Oreos, okay, but not like the best, and they were. Easily the best cupcake. Well, I, I was going to kind of related to that, Betsy. The last wedding I attended was at a Mexican restaurant and they had churros. I don't even think there was cake. I think it was just churros. And they were, there was red velvet ones. There were Oreo ones. There were cereal themed ones. Like just, just churros everywhere. I was once, uh, I have been, I got labeled with the nickname Churro Man because we were at a White Sox game and some drunk Twins fan he called me Churro Man as an insult. So going to a <laughs> wedding, she, yeah, she just was like, why don't you just sit there and eat your Churro, Churro Man? I was like, okay, I will. Creative. It's, it's Yeah, she was very drunk. Uh, but uh, I'm just, as you I, I, just going to throw it out there. If, uh, and if you're getting married at a the Mexican restaurant, uh, invest in some churros instead of cake. It's not a bad approach. Hey, if I can find a wife that wants to get married at a Mexican restaurant, <laughs> I'm gonna ask her to marry me right away. Cause there like, I'm all about Mexican food. So yeah. Yeah. I, on a, on, on a list of quality food at a wedding that, that was high on the list. Uh, yeah, before, okay. before I forget, uh, Shay, I thought you had something you were going to chime in with. In, really yeah. Just, just a oh, reminder oh, that oh. pie remains better than cake. Uh, uh, sort of you, universally Shay uh, off the top rope <laughs> uh, just, just, a, just a fact of life Is that anything cake can do Pie can do better uh, They I, just I, reversed your cake take Into a sunset flip <laughs> uh, You know I, I kind of don't Disagree with that only because I think If you offered me cake or pie as a dessert Generally I think I'd go pie Especially with ice cream on top yeah. Well, no, but that's but all right. Then that's a weakness of pie. If it needs ice cream on top to make it that no, if, no, because I like ice cream and cake too. Yeah, exactly. You can add ice cream to cake too and make it but you know, improves cake it's as still well. Better with pie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, well, it's better with it's ice cream with a, a warm pie. Like a cake is usually yeah. Even if you put ice cream with warm cake, 
and even or if you put ice cream with a non-warm pie it's still better <laughs> yeah yeah that's uh, I, I would just say like because i think the uh the attraction to pie is the crust versus the filling has more contrast whereas like cake is so sweet sometimes with the icing and the inside that it, it could be a bit much okay and then sometimes there's too much icing like what's yeah. up with that? <laughs> what's up with that <laughs> right well i think sometimes with pie there's too much crust we, well we i think I think if you ruin the crust of the pie, you, like it's 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 it ruins the whole thing. Like, nah. go ahead. I was no, gonna, I'm, I'm I'm done. Go ahead. I was gonna say, um, do you guys eat? So we're in the cake form, and cupcakes came up a second ago. Uh, I was watching TikTok or something on TikTok. Somebody was like, <laughs> literally, I can't, kid? I can't even remember who which actress it was, but people were like on it, going, "Oh my god, that's a brilliant." Um, oh, it was Anne Hathaway because there were people going, she learned that in princess school. And it was like, what? She oh made her goodness. cupcake into a sandwich as lots of people do. But yeah. that, what? That's a really common thing, you, right? Yeah, it wasn't you, like, you cut it in half and like take the bottom on top and smash it down. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you don't want icing all over your face. So it's yeah. basically like a, uh, like a moon pie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. and I'm pretty sure that's the exact word that Anne Hathaway used in the thing. Shout out Eric Von Detten, by the way. There were a ton of people in the comments going, She learned that in Princess. And I was like, What learned the- it at Princess School? What? There's the yeah. Princess Diary. You and know, I get it. That's because TikTok is full of 12 year olds that don't know any better. I just was like, that's the only way to eat a cupcake. <laughs> and, and wait, wait, Mill, why did is is she married to Eric Von Detten? No, he's in that movie. Okay, okay. That's just, the only thing I, I remember I seeing like, that when it came out like big, 20 years big ago. New, big up and I was like, Brink, Adam. Yeah, I was like, shout out Brink. <laughs> By the way, the the fact that uh, the Flyers have that new draft pick named Brink that they signed, and i am still been yelling at all the Broad Street hockey people for not using Brink gifts more often, but that's a totally <laughs> random That's a generational guy. thing, yeah. I think. I think, well, I think many of them are the same age I am. Well, right, so they should be ashamed they of should, themselves. They should, they should know, uh, but they're not listening anyway, so whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I, I think I think we've run the we were brought all the way back to '90s Disney movies. So I think that means it's about time to to wrap this episode up. Any final thoughts on uh, the Blackhawks or pie or cake or uh, uh, the Panthers and Lightning game that just started? Uh, yeah, there's live betting odds for anybody interested. Otherwise, I'll shut the hell up. Of, of course, of course, yeah, yeah. And now a word from our sponsors. Yeah, <laughs> DraftKings. Hey, DraftKings sponsor us more. They no, paid us absolutely before. not. I'm so fucking sick of betting ads. I th- this is this is the new hill I'm gonna die on. Band. Dude, I hit a ads. I hit a four leg parlay the other day, and I, I I immediately deposited the money and ordered a pizza. Like it's really nice when there's sports on all day. I was gonna ask before we all head out. Who, how many did you guys miss on in your bracket from the first round? I missed. Oh, I, I'm, thank you for reminding me uh, to check the brackets. Um, I think I'm, I was doing pretty good shape. Uh, I think I I didn't get any games right, but I, I'm only missed on three, which I missed three as well. I I had the Kings and Oilers going seven, but I had Kings. I had wild because wishful thinking and I had Pittsburgh because I didn't expect them to all get killed. Yeah, we had almost the exact same bracket. The only difference is I had Toronto. I thought they were just going to make it past the first round, and this year would be the year they were disappointed in the second round. I've learned my lesson with that. (laughs) And and they didn't even play bad. They just, I mean, Tampa is just a hell of a team. Yeah, they just ran into a machine. I have have Tampa winning the cup again, which uh, I was was getting very worried that – that that wasn't going to happen. So uh, right now there's a solo leader. It's Jaws with about five Zs. 
They've got 83 points. Total possible is 383. Their championship pick is the Carolina Hurricanes. And so I believe that they are, yeah, they're they're the current leader and have the highest t- uh, possible total of points. So congratulations to them. I'm sure they're a uh, avid listener. I, at least I hope they are. <laughs> it's not, you mean it's not Steve? <laughs> it, it is not Steve. I'm, uh, I'm starting to scroll here to see if I see some familiar names uh, and feel free to uh, shout if I'm. Oh, right. I'm like, I'm very like, wh- raises 15th. I'm, I'm 59th. I'm at 50 points. I still have a possible 350. I have so. 50 points too, so we're tied. Where am I? How many points do you have? I don't know. Uh, Mill, you're also it. in 50th. Oh. You're in 50th. Are you sure? Yeah, you're in 50th. I'm 59th. Betsy's 59th. Uh, Shay, uh, Shay, you're at 70th. Goddamn, Panarin. Panarin <laughs> scored that fucking Woo! goal after taking having two big penalties in a game seven. That motherfucker, just to spite me. <laughs> I don't recognize any of the people at the top, but that doesn't mean. Yeah, I yeah I except for uh, Braze. I put it out on yeah I put it out on Twitter. There's a few names in there I remember from uh, comments and otherwise. Uh, but we'll we'll see what happens when it gets to the end. Yeah, I missed. Uh, well, Panthers scored. I picked. Oh Fuck yeah. I, uh, I I don't have them winning, but I I, I messed up on the <laughs> Blues and. But I had Calgary in seven. I had Edmonton in seven. Oh man, I I, I wasn't totally an idiot. No, you're good. No, I, I, I think I think the Blues thing. We all just were like fuck them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, that, you know, that's entirely what that was. Do you know what's interesting about Toronto and bringing it to the Blues is that there were a lot, there was like years that they were like, maybe the Blues or the Wild were actually really good teams, but they always ran into the Blackhawks or the Kings. And I don't know if that's Toronto now. They just ran into oh. like the team that could win, but. Yeah, every year these quote unquote experts, it's going to be the Bruins and the Blues, and then it finally happened one year, and I was like, "Fuck, this stink!" <laughs> and then the Boston, the one time I root for Boston since 2011, and they blow it. Well, some somebody also said the Hawks were Stanley Cup contenders after the Seth Jones trade. So, me? <laughs> no, it was nobody that works at this site. I, I didn't overreact. Yeah, I know. I didn't overreact that much. Yeah. No. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this edition of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, thanks to all the linemates for hanging out once again this evening. Mills on Twitter at Mill182. Shepard is at Shepard Price. Betsy's not on Twitter, but you can find her at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR, where you can find all of our articles and playoff game threads, which I think now that I think about it, I forgot to post the one for today. So oops on that. Yeah. Uh, minus one for me. Um I'm on Twitter at dmelt 57 The main account is at 2ND City Hockey. And uh, just keep following along. we got a few more, definitely a few more season recap episodes to do. We're going to put together a mailbag at some point because we should. And I, I, I've been meaning to do that episode. So uh, we'll, we'll get one of those going soon. And then, uh, I don't know, we'll, uh, we'll see where the rest of the offseason takes us. Uh, but we'll be back next week, probably talking about some goalies and some other things and, and maybe even some food as well, as as is our want. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll talk to you then, I guess. Yep. See you then.